Are you realizing that there's something more? That you're so excited about this change in your life, maybe you've put down the bottle for good, and you just wanna pay it forward. You wanna help others in their moments of need, move through that discomfort. You wonder what it feels like to celebrate you with your own journey by paying it forward and giving back what you've been given. Now is the time to find out. Enrollment is now open for our coaching certification program with this Naked Mind Institute. In just six months, you can receive the training, the resources, and tools you need to become our next certified coach so that you can start your entrepreneurial journey or grow your already existing business while helping thousands of others to find freedom, joy, and happiness. If you're hearing that little voice calling that says you're meant for so much more in this journey, then I invite you to leave your comfort zone behind and learn more about becoming a certified coach at thisnakedmindinstitute.com. And as always, rate, review, and subscribe to this podcast as it truly helps the message reach somebody who might need to hear it today. Hi, this is Annie Grace and welcome to this Naked Mind podcast. I'm here with Carla. Hi, Carla. Hey, how are you? It's so exciting I'm, to be here. Oh, yay. I'm so excited to have you. I'm great. So why don't you sort of take us all the way back to the beginning with alcohol? Like where, where did it start for you? Whew. <laughs> you know, that's, that's a big question. And and when thinking about it, um, before you and I were going to talk today, I thought about that question and, you know, I had to go back and I really have to go back and talk about my anxiety because mm-hmm. for me, that's really where this, um, the issue started for me and it started in high school. Um, and for me, my anxiety really looked, um, it was very physical for me. So anxiety attacks were very physical in that I would get really dizzy and the room would start spinning or uh, physically sick, um, you name it. And for me, I think it's important to talk about because I think anxiety looks differently in everybody. For me, it was pretty physical. Um, and unfortunately, when I went to college, it really really packed its a game and came along with me. Um, and for me, looking back, you know, going to college again, thinking this is the normal time to like drink. It's just, which what I know now on alcohol just really blows me away because we're sending our kids off and thinking, oh, it's normal to go and drink or binge drink or whatever. Um, Mm -hmm. But back then, again, still thinking this is completely normal. Um, But in college is where I really started giving alcohol a job. And that's how I like to describe it because, you know, for example, I gave it the job of helping me with my anxiety and it worked initially, you know, and then I was like, hey, that worked really well. So what about my social anxiety or what about you know, it just started taking on other roles, just as anxiety really was really increasing in my life. And for me, um, I describe it as it just really started weaving its way into all aspects of my life. Anxiety did, and then alcohol did as well. Um, I would have anxiety attacks in um, grocery stores, mm. in um, on the interstate, driving, in big classrooms, you name it. So, and back in the day, Annie, when I was in college, we did not talk about anxiety the way that we talk about it now. Um, right. I'm so glad it has, you know, the space and people can talk about it um, 
really with much more ease. Back then, I just thought something was wrong with me, you know? Um, and so again, then I gave alcohol the job of making me feel normal. And so when you ask that, it really, that's when it, I go back and I see it starting to take root, you know, and really kind of have a place that it shouldn't have. Yeah. So in that, did you find like instant relief in it or how? Yeah, I would say that I did initially, you know, um, again, I was just never second guessing it. I, you think about all the messages that we are given, um, and it even drives me crazy now, you know, when you're reading in books, it's these hidden messages we've been getting since we were young, you know, have the substance and it will help, you know, and it, you see that about relaxation or stress or um, anxiety. Um, I, actually, someone just said it to me the other day. Um, they clearly don't know what I do for a living. I did let them know. They're like, oh, you're anxious. Go have a drink. I was like, don't do that. Um, but I just saw it as again, normal. And so I don't know if I was really looking at it with the lens that I should have been like, okay, like, for example, I should have not been anxious at all if it was working by the time, you know, I really started drinking, but I think it, it did. It initially worked. I thought it did, but again, all it did ultimately was lower my self-esteem because, you know, just doing things I wouldn't have intended to do normally if I had been drinking. Um, I will never forget, I dated this guy in college and he did not drink. And of course that was just so strange, like that he was the weird one because he didn't drink. And I'll never forget my 21st birthday, going out, going out, partying and getting so sick. It was very classy behind a tree. And he was like, why are you drinking something that makes you so sick? Like, mm -hmm. and it just didn't, he's the smartest guy in the room, you know? And so just again, thinking, oh, you don't know, you're not normal. You don't drink. But I think another big thing that I was competing against back then was what I had been taught again. And it's what my parents had been taught about this word alcoholic and, you know, it runs in our family. So be careful. You might have it like it, like you could, you had it or you didn't. And so for me, there was this clear line in the sand that I know I didn't want to be it. So I just focused on that and everything was centered around, well, I'm not that. So, mm -hmm. I mean, I'm young, this is normal. I mean, now, even when I graduated from, um, college is still, I'm in my twenties, this is normal. I should be drinking. And, but it really, again, started ramping up. I had a, a job. Um, it was a while after college and I got into pharmaceutical sales and again, um, that again, lots of drinking business meetings where it was just, you know, pouring everywhere. It was just really normal, um, taking out physicians and having dinners and alcohols just was always there. Um, so again, it just really, as it was taking on those roles in my life, as I say, 
um, I don't think I ever did a really good job like review on it and ask if it was really doing a good job. I just assumed it was supposed to be in my life. But um, but yeah, so it just started immersing itself more and more in my work life after college. And um, yeah. Oh my gosh. So then what happened like during that time specifically? Did you... Well, I continued and actually I remember I was in um, one of my, it was one pharmaceutical company and my anxiety, it was, it was just getting to the point that I was not functioning mm -hmm. well. And again, I think I just didn't know the difference anymore. I didn't know the difference. One, I didn't know what it like was like to feel good anymore, number one. But number two, I didn't know what, is it the chicken or the egg? Is my anxiety or is it the drinking? And I would always blame it on, my, on the anxiety. Um, but I'll never forget, you know, really just not functioning well and reaching out to work. And I, this is when I actually did go to my first, um, first and ever, I say first, but I went to rehab. And it, the thought of going honestly um, excited me. There was a part of me that I just wanted to stop the crazy. I just wanted to stop the constant, um, I couldn't get ahead of the anxiety. I couldn't get ahead of, you know, life keeps throwing you those curveballs, and I just wanted a timeout. Mm -hmm. So as much as there was a lot of shame that came along with going to rehab, there was a part of me that desperately wanted that reset. Um, and at this point, I will say I had intermittently tried going to meetings because I think deep down, I knew I didn't like my drinking. I had done um, many times putting like rules around it, trying to put boundaries. I'll never forget. I did, um, you know, gave it up for Lent. And one time it was, I should have laughed at myself because I was a big red wine drinker. As soon as, you know, the 40 days started, then I immediately I switched and I was like, well, that's red wine. I can drink white wine for the 40 days. So I would just mix and play these games with myself, not realizing that um, I really was struggling. You know, I did give it up one time for Lent and I'll never forget, I... Oh, my body thanked me. I mean, my eyes in those 40 days, my skin, everything, like I felt so much better. But of course, then I immediately um, celebrated with a glass of wine. And I think it also gave me this false sense of you're okay. Mm -hmm. you no, know, you're not that line in the sand, you know, like you've been thinking, because surely you wouldn't be able to stop for 40 days if um, you really had a problem. Right. And that's what was going on, you know, inside my head. But um, I did go to, you know, a rehab. Once again, I think honestly there, all it did was tell me that I didn't have a problem. I felt great um, after the 30 days. I, and it basically at, at that place, it was just, um, it was constant meetings. So when you go into a place, where you wholeheartedly um, don't identify with that label, it's, it's, 
it's no wonder it didn't stick, you know? And I think even back then we just really didn't give credit to people um, for really honoring what they thought might be a good way. Mm-hmm. Um, and I truly, truly like left thinking, well, that I, I don't have a problem. Glad I feel better. Mm-hmm. All is okay. Woo. Done. Now I'm going to go back to work. And again, I felt great for a little while, but then the cycle just started um, over again. Yeah. And so it, again, it's just kind of that, what I've learned now, that shame and blame cycle that I was in. Um, and in a world, honestly, at that point, and, you know, I think we're still there. We're making such big headway when it comes to people understanding that there's other ways to get help. But at that point, I felt like it was, I had, it was AA or nothing. Like, so I just didn't know. And it, that honestly really scared me. It seemed like this huge, like there's gotta be something else. And, um, but also the idea just in itself of one day at a time, I was like, one day at a time, I don't want to live life. Like that sounds like a nightmare. Yeah. So, you know, again, never asking myself, how is it serving me? Never asking myself. I just constantly wanted to fight to have it play a role in my life. And once again, if I had asked myself, Carla, like, how's it doing with that anxiety? I, w- I should have been the calmest cat in the room if it was actually working, you know, but I right. was so anxious and, and really not feeling well, you know, I think I just, but because again, my anxiety took on such a physical feeling, I just didn't know. Um, again, I think deep down, I knew, um, I knew deep down that that good old subconscious was really worried, um, but kept telling myself, I'm going to push past this. And, you know, and I really was, I was successful in my career. I did well. Um, I also, you know, was single and lived by myself. So I think I also could get away with a lot more. There was a lot, it was a lot easier to hide. Um, but towards the end of my drinking career, I mean, I was hiding it from myself too. Like I was constantly, I didn't want to know. Um, and I got people, uh, many times they want to know, especially, and we'll get into that whenever, just because of my getting sick, they really want to know like, okay, how much were you drinking? And, um, I would have wanted to know too, I would have been the first one sending me a message saying, okay, what exactly were you drinking and how much were you drinking? Um, cause I would have wanted to compare it to mine, um, and see if I was okay. So I think there's just there's a lot of that comparison game when it comes to drinking. Well, let's, let's talk about that. Or where does that fall into the, into the chronology? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's there, so we can talk about it. Um, let's say it's 2013 when, um, I really, I knew things were bad. I just, um, I had no idea how bad. Um, 
And again, it was a weekend just to paint the picture. I was still working. That's still, you know, moving forward and working, doing my thing, homeowner, all the things. And um, I remember pulling up to work one day, and this is something that I tell people that I did, and I had no idea um, how many other people did it too. But I remember like in the morning, I would get in my car and look in the rear view mirror and look at the whites of my eyes. And once again, that's when clearly I knew like some, like I was worried about my drinking. Cause why would I be looking? I was looking for yellow and, um, cause obviously, you know, my Google searches showed me that that was a sign, um, of there being problems with your liver. So I would do this little thing and look in the rear view mirror and was that work that morning. And I remember I looked and there it was, there was the yellow and, um, it's hard to describe the feeling, Mm -hmm. um, in the car that day. Uh, it's, I was constantly trying to pretend to the world that all was fine and I had it handled. And I'd like to give the picture of just, I was trying to spin all the plates and that's when the plates really started to fall. Um, absolute fear is what came over me and not knowing what to do or who, like who to talk to. Um, and you know, I was in a, was in a wedding that weekend. This goes back to also my people pleasing. I clearly could never say no. Like I had to do it, even though I felt I would, cause I felt really bad at this point. Mm. Um, didn't know what was causing it. Just no energy, just really not feeling well. And, but I was like, okay, once again, I'm going to push through. I used that term all the time, push through. I'm just going to push through and then I'll fix it after this. So that was kind of, that was my mindset. I'm going to push through and fix it after this. And God bless my, he was my boyfriend at the time, my now husband. Um, He and another friend of ours, you know, knew that I was not well, obviously. So they had made a plan the next day. So I made it through the wedding went back to the hotel. I wasn't drinking. Um, and all I wanted to do was sleep. Um, and the next day we went to an emergency room and this is in Charleston, South Carolina. So there was an emergency room kind of like on the outskirts of town. And I think that's really when, um, my body just said, I can't do this anymore because the yellow just spread. Mm. And, um, and they, they are the, um, ER staff that I was going to need to go by ambulance to the medical university of South Carolina. Again, plates falling, the control of my story was just slipping through my fingers. And I just, honestly, I couldn't believe what was happening. Um, I don't, I definitely at that time had no idea how sick I was. Um, I was in the hospital for two days. And at that point they were trying to do tests, but I was so acutely sick. They just really needed to give a pause and almost see, okay, wait, what's happening here. They allowed me to leave the hospital. 
um, just in the promise that I would get blood work in the next few days and, um, got the blood work. My body at this point, Annie was, um, just morphing into something that was unrecognizable. The, the very, very sickly yellow, um, that my abdomen was just swelling and that was fluid again, had no idea, but that's societies again, when your liver's failing, um, that's where that fluid buildup comes from. And, you know, this is where this just a really dramatic turn. And I remember getting a phone call. I went back to sleep after I got my blood work done and I recognized it as a Charleston number and it was my physician. Um, and it's the physician that wrote the foreword in my book mm. that um, is so powerful. But, and she just said, Miss um, Kephart, that was my uh, maiden name, are you okay? And I, I just knew, I said, I think I'm dying. And that's when she said, I think you are too. Oh. And um, I get, I, there's not been a time I've told that part where that doesn't make me emotional. Um, mm -hmm. It was just a, it was just obviously a jarring moment. And um, that's when she basically let me know that if I couldn't get to the hospital, that she would send an ambulance to me. And that was another like wave of the the seriousness of what was happening and Grady came right away and um, my parents lived nearby they came right away I can't imagine getting that phone call you know now that I'm a mom I just um I can't imagine and I was in the hospital at that point for two weeks and it was just a it was a waiting game uh this is once again looking back, um, I had no idea how sick I was and how close I was to not making it. Um, but it really was, it was a waiting game of doing blood work and just waiting to see if my liver would start back. And so, you know, whenever I talk to people now, it's, I'm just so passionate about, communicating and not putting your head in the sand. And I say that with a deep understanding of knowing how scary it is. I get it. It is so scary to want to talk to your um, provider or whoever it may be, but it's just so important because sometimes um, I got my liver, it started back, you know, but sometimes you don't always get that chance. Mm. And I, uh, you know, we constantly are hearing how amazing and the liver regenerates and just how great it is. And it is, listen, you need that bad boy. It does a lot of things and it will let you know if it's not doing well. Um, but even the greatest fighter goes down, you know, and there's only, you know, so much can do. And I think I just, um, there, it couldn't do much more. Mm -hmm. So, um, again, waiting game in the hospital and it, you know, in the hospital, it's hard. I, you feel a lot of judgment, um, especially when they know what you're there for. 
it's something that I have done, you know, personally, just a lot of work around and really come, I have so much empathy because I can't imagine their position, a healthcare provider where they tell people not to drink and then they go drink, you know? So there's a frustration on their end, which again, I think there's, there's just, there's a misunderstanding. Um, and my goal in what I do is I want to bridge that communication gap between the patient and providers, because, you know, they grew up with the same beliefs around alcohol that I did, you know, and, um, I know for, you know, many people, they don't study it, alcohol itself, but there, there's a lot of shame and I, the, the weight of my own shame could have just put me out right there. Um, Mm -hmm. again, just not knowing how I was going to face the world after what happened. Yeah. And so what did happen after that? Like, I know we've talked about this before and I've read your book, so I kind of know the story, but, um, it wasn't a one and done sort of right. Never again situation. No. And that's where, um, again, that part of my story carried so much shame because I left that hospital. And I mean, I just knew I wanted to live. I was like, I'm going to do this. I even, um, there was, you know, a doctor there. He, I had as much as I had some people that were not the best to me, I had amazing other healthcare providers that were really my cheerleaders. Um, and you see that in the forward and the afterward of my book with Dr. Allen. Um, but you know, I left there with the best of intentions and never thought I would ever drink again, you know? Um, but what I quickly realized was that whole, um, romanticizing about drinking started, you know, a while after I left the hospital and there was a turning point where I actually started to get sick again. And, um, because of how acutely ill I had been, you know, I called my physician and they were like, you need to, you know, go right away, get some um, scans. We want to see what's going on. And it turned out that I had mono. This is where my Dr. Google fingers got, you know, to go in because I desperately wanted to blame getting sick with mono with my liver shutting down. And as crazy as that sound, it's, it's cause it is, but at the time it seemed really sane. And, you know, we have that thing confirmation bias where I was going to find it. And surely I did. Cause it said, you know, an article about, um, mono and jaundice, um, and the issues that it causes to the liver. And that was all, that was all it took for me to think now I can drink normal. I I'm fine. Of course, any, did I talk to anybody about this decision of mine? Right. No. Um, did I run it past, you know, my doctor or my boyfriend now husband at the time? No. Cause I did it in secret. Cause I knew like, knew that it was a problem. And that was the slipperiest slope I have ever been on was that attempt to go back at that time. And the shame of actually going back to drinking after being so ill, Mm. that is almost what killed me 
because I just could, how can I tell someone that I drank again? How can I, how can I do that? I can make no sense of it, but I know that I'm in trouble. I'm in trouble big time. And, um, this is where, you know, Dr. Allen, um, she had come into town. She was a new physician, just knew I loved her right off the bat. She was just, um, had a real fiery personality. And, um, I worked in a job that had me in contact with physicians. So I purposely went, I knew she would know something was wrong and obviously she did. And so Mm. she, um, we did blood work and she, I had to go back to the hospital and I, that, um, there was a day in there that she called my original physician, Dr. Jofflin to let her know I was coming back because I didn't know how to face Dr. Jofflin because she was one of the physicians that really poured into me and believed in me, could not face her, didn't know how to do that. Dr. Allen knew that. And again, this is where I say I had such amazing people on my side and um, I'll never forget it. I was in the hospital room and you could have cut the knife with the shame that was in the room. It was thick. It was horrible. I was laying there and I just couldn't believe I was there and, and came Dr. Jofflin. And again, it gets, it makes me emotional, but the fact that she chose to come in and see me, she did not have to, she wasn't supposed to round on me or anything. She came in and she brought me a plant and she, we just had a conversation that day. And cause she was, she tells me she, she was afraid I was going to die. And, um, she just told me about, you know, her journey, um, and what she knew about alcohol and, and basically told me I could do it. And she looked at me and she's like, you don't have, you don't have to do this to yourself anymore. And she believed in me. And I, in that moment, I remember in that hospital bed saying, I want to do this for somebody one day. Like I want to do what she just did for me. Cause here was this young, healthy, beautiful, successful woman sitting back, you know, next to me and saying like, I don't drink. This is why this is what I've seen. This is why I do what I do with livers. And a light bulb went off on, you know, for me and that it just hadn't, um, before. And she calls it now that she, cause she didn't, you know, they're told not to do that kind of stuff in medical school. And she took a chance with me and it totally was a turning point for me in my life. And she says she calls it therapeutic empathy Mm -hmm. and just, you know, brings that into her practice now. And, um, because she sees what it, she saw what it did for me and it was huge. And, um, once I was able to get out once again, it was a very touch and go again, situation. Um, that was the changing point for me. And when I left the hospital that time, I was on a mission um, because I knew um, I basically had, I could go right or I could go left and right was going to be walking through some hard stuff. 
and facing some things that would be very painful, but left was going, would be death. So I went mm-hmm. right. And, um, that's how I found you, Annie. I was on this. I wanted to find out answers. I wanted to find answers. Why? Like, why did I go back that time? And why did I, I didn't understand. I just saw it as this weakness and I had never heard of neuroplasticity and the pathways that we set up. Um, after some time, I, I felt this overwhelming sense of calm. And I remember Google, where did my anxiety go? And hearing one of your podcasts and I could not get enough because it was, it was the science and this, this information that it was so powerful to me and it was so exciting. And I'll, I know I've told you this, but I have to say it again. I remember Grady coming home one day and I looked at him. I said, I'm not afraid anymore because mm. I was, I, I had been afraid it was going to come back and get me you know, like, because I didn't understand the ins and outs and the whys. But once I learned about, okay, this is exactly what was happening with anxiety. This is what's happening. Like it was a no brainer, Annie, when I left the hospital the first time I was going to go back eventually because I still believed it helped me. I thought alcohol helped me with like all those things I didn't address any of those things. So it was going to happen. It was a matter of time. And so that was, I was able to have grace for myself and understand, okay, that's why. Um, and so just truly craving and getting all that knowledge is what truly, I I truly wasn't afraid anymore that it was going to come back and, and get me in some way if, if, life through a curveball, which it has, and it will again, you know, life comes and hard things happen, but I know, you know, that I can, you know, and will get on the other side, you know, without drinking. Um, I think that's the biggest thing I didn't know years ago. Um, September 10th will be eight years for me on this journey. And Um, I had no idea freedom was possible. I had no idea. Amazing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. What you say is like, it's so true. Like we don't go to the root cause of the belief that it helps. Of course, we'll always go back. And the more stressed we are, the more tempted the brain will be to go back into the ruts that have been formed and, you know, patterned over so many years. So And it's just staggering still to me, even after seven, eight years of doing this, that as a society, we're not talking about that root cause of those beliefs, right? Like it's just accepted. No, alcohol really does help. It doesn't help at all. Like it doesn't help anything. And so for us to have this huge problem, just because we're believing falsities about the substance is just, it's it's literally insane. it is. And it, to me, it, that's what I, why I, I just, this conversation and this narrative needs to change because, because of what we're seeing, <laughs> we are seeing people rap, rapidly decline, you know, health-wise. So I want to like, look at people and be like, 
what we're doing isn't working, you know? And again, with, when I say that, I always say like, I say that with just one pathway is what traditionally, okay. You, you have an issue with alcohol. This is the way you get help. That is absolutely insanity. Mm-hmm. That to me is the def- doing the same thing over and over again, you know, and expecting different results. So that's to me insanity thinking there's only one way to yeah. do this. And the numbers are showing it. The numbers are showing it and people are getting, they're getting sick. And something that happened to me that many years ago, which was, you know, acute liver failure, which, you know, doesn't happen all that, the numbers are rising big time and it's not so uncommon anymore. And that's, what's really, really pushed me to talk about it because, um, we have to start looking at this in a different way. And, um, because there's people out there that just, just like me, and they're going to be leaving the hospital and they're going to be facing that go right or go left. And if they don't know any different, you know, that left is going to be the choice ultimately that they take. And that's heartbreaking to me, but it, it truly is. It's, it's, um, and why, when I found this naked mind, um, I remember reaching out and asking, you know, if y'all were going to be training people because it was so, and because my story at that point had happened, the coolest thing for me is that it aligned with my journey almost exactly like it answered all the questions. And so it was so aligned, you know, with this methodology because it was my journey. <laughs> so it was so powerful, um, and exciting to learn about and know that I could then start sharing that with other people. Yeah. So how has that gone for you? The process of becoming now a naked main coach and all of, all of the things. Oh, I absolutely adore. Like I always tell people it will never get old for me, this process of helping people, find freedom. It is, it is one of the most beautiful things in coaching and the path I'm, I'm wrapping up with one of the groups, um, now that was, it was one of the year long groups, but to look at people that were, and I can remember back in last August, they were scared, full of doubt, absolutely felt hopeless. And there was no way and there was just this sense of desperation. And, you know, it's just this encouraging because I know I'm like, y'all just hang on because I promise like things can't keep an open mind and just trust the process and to see, see that freedom start to come. And, and, you know, and you can do that. And I think that's the biggest thing with my coaching is that I, I desperately wanted a judgment-free place. Um, that was safe. It's safe to talk. If I fell off or messed up, you can get right back when there's no shame. There's only learning. That's another thing that is just insanity to me that we're not talking about is why can't we really change the script and don't go back to day one? Okay. What can we learn from that fall? What can we learn from that? You know, what did you take away from that? did it fix your anxiety? Okay. Then how did you feel the next day? Like you can just take away so much from it. And, um, 
but I do. I absolutely, um, coaching is, is truly um, such a gift. And to know that I can be in the place that I was and also be able to bring the story that there was nothing gray about my drinking. There was nothing, there was nothing gray about it. It was, it was an, it was a big issue. And so I can share my story and I can be vulnerable and share with them where exactly it took me to. And then I can be that healthy face for them on the other side of the issue. And I think that was what I really needed to back at the, when I was struggling. Um, There's just so much darkness in the world of alcohol and there's a lot of hopelessness and especially in the world of liver disease, then that adds another layer of helplessness and hopelessness. And um, it's so important that we start shifting and, and changing that face of what that person looks like that struggles. Mm-hmm. I love that so much. I love that. Mm-hmm. Um, so two final questions for you, Carla. Let's start with this one. If people want to find out more about you and your coaching, where could they find you? They can find me um, at CarlaAtkins.com. And um, and also I coach in uh, the Zero Proof Life, the ZeroProofLife.com. And there's five of us senior coaches that we, um, again, we love we look all the same, love the journey, love helping people find freedom. And so, yeah, that's cool. But CarlaAtkins.com is where you'll be able to find my book that's coming out. Um, still can't believe that's coming out. Annie, I feel like I remember talking to you about it in a mastermind forever ago. I'm like, so I think I'm going to write a book. Um, and, and it's fun. such a good book. It's such a good book. What is, um, what is it called? It's called And She Came Tumbling Down. And it's, um, it's my journey, you know, and I, I just, it's, I wanted to share with people. Um, the book is not just for, uh, the me out there, the drinker. I found that it's, um, helpful for loved ones, you know, that can, it gives a different perspective, a different lens. So, um, helps loved ones that have someone that's struggling with alcohol really get to see, it from a different perspective. Mm. And I think empathy can come in. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and also, you know, I really, I want this to be a great resource for healthcare providers of I, me saying, I, I, I get it. What you do is hard. So let me tell my story and you can pass that along to them and hopefully bring somebody some hope. I love that so much. It's so awesome. Excellent. So well-written and just so powerful. Um, so Carla, let me end by asking the question that I asked at the end of these, which is if you were going to go back in time, maybe not to the Carla who saw yellow in her eyes, but maybe to the Carla who just couldn't even make sense of herself because after that experience of being hospitalized, uh, was drinking again, what would you tell her? (sighs) I think I would go back to what I would said earlier and um, tell her that um, freedom is possible and you're actually playing really, really small. Um, you know, the things that um, you're capable of doing, you have no idea. And um, the alcohol is just holding you back. So I think that's what I would say to her. 
I love that so much. Thank you. Thank you so much, Carla, for coming on. It's just been awesome. Thank you for having me. This has been amazing. This episode is sponsored by This Naked Mind Institute, our coach certification program, where we certify the next generation of coaches to help people find freedom and experience transformational and life-giving shifts that come from science-based and compassion-led learning. These coaches are empowered with world-class trainings, industry-leading tools and resources, and the most recent scientific studies to help others learn how to create real, rich, raw, and authentic lives free from alcohol. So if you're at the point in your own personal journey where you really want to help others and pay it forward to give what you've been given and help others find freedom, joy, and ultimate happiness, then I invite you to apply for the next class of This Naked Mind Institute and join our incredibly coaching community at thisnakedmindinstitute.com.